Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus Investor Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. Um, and as I'm about to launch my weekly membership, which I want to call a Star Shala, because a Shala is a gathering of people to go to a place of learning where you get to experience what you're learning and 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 play it out and discuss with other novices or initiates so that that you um have a lived experience and it's a shared place and that's why I wanted to call it a star shala because um i feel that astrology very much for me has a shamanic aspect that we are experiencing obviously life through the planets and their energies but these as almost living beings that the whole universe is is spiritualized is actually a living being and we are part of that so it's not just this mental learning it's about spiritual law and our soul's journey within that so one of the things that kind of is very prominent in that shamanic aspect of the planets and the soul's purpose here is the fact that the Christ codes are embedded into the zodiac. And I find that fascinated. They're, they're embedded in several ways, such as around Jesus's baptism, um, also around his birth, obviously, and that's the return of the light and I will be doing uh, the 12 days of Christmas, which is like a, a meditative, meditative journey on each day, um, which you can do in your own time. But actually, it's like the prompt to actually go into the more esoteric understanding of Christmas, which starts with Pisces, Pisces, and which is the last zodiac sign and goes all the way through backwards to Aries and takes you on a journey through Christmas. Now, also, there is a... a the zodiac uh, is embedded in Easter and the last 24 hours of Jesus, each hour relates to the houses in a horoscope chart. So it's like we did before this last 24 hours, the Christ codes were not embedded in earth. Jesus died so that the Christ codes could come into earth. And from that moment, then the house system that is in all charts in a variety of different ways, the house system relates to that last 24 hours. And of course, the house system is a 24 hour system which moves around as the planet moves around. So I find this absolutely fascinating. And I wanted to go a little deeper into this, even though it's not Easter, <laughs> um, just to bring about the more esoteric uh, and soul experience of the zodiac. It's it's um, esoteric astrology rather than just the ordinary um, sort of day to day astrology here. So I wanted to just go through the houses and the reasoning behind all of this, because on one level, the more spiritual work you do, the more astralized your body becomes and more full of light it becomes. And the more then you are working on a soul level throughout your life and therefore the Christ codes become much more important to your life and you get to understand um, where they are within the zodiac as well. The spiritual body is actually quite complicated, how it works, and I can never work it out, you know, the mental, the, the astral, the etheric, the higher body, the lower, all those kind of things. But the lowest level of your spiritual body is the buddhic part that is projected onto earth. 
that's the buddhic park and it's like a hologram of the whole vast part of your body so the hologram that we have here on earth that's projected onto earth is just one small part of your whole soul body as it were and we often talk about how we are moving towards enlightenment and how Uranus is the planet urging us to on to enlightenment. Just, and we've just mentioned that the 144,000 that are needed to achieve this for us all to ascend and go further into enlightenment. But we are already enlightened. It's only this fragment here, the Buddhic part here on earth that forgets or doesn't realize that we are already enlightened. And that kind of slightly blows my mind. And of course, the higher self, the bit that we can't see, is constantly talking to this lower self or hologram self. And the more work we do, the more light we can embody. And the more we are seen by the spiritual world, the more we can sort of receive information from our uh, higher self. And so that's why I wanted to go to the houses and see that there's so much more of our soul purpose written in the houses in the Zodiac. Because the houses in a Zodiac represent the ego, our actual ego. It's the individualized part of us because each person will have a different house set up because of the hour that they were born. Because it, the houses change to wherever you are, the world is, the, the earth is moving around, so the, uh, the houses move around. So even twins were born, you know, a minute apart, have, will have a slightly different house system, just slightly. And this means that the fragment of us here on earth, that buddhic body, is going to operate in a, a slightly different to everyone else. And that is why the astrologers always need the time of birth to make up a chart because it's so specific to that person and that is their personal ego. So it is said that the, the zodiac, the constellations that are forever around us in the sky, they're there, the stars in the sky, they represent our physical self, their physical world, because they are there physically, you can actually see them. And then the planets within that, the planets that are moving, represent our etheric body because they are bringing energy and vital force, dynamism, dynamic energy to us via their movements and aspects. And the aspects then, the aspects in our chart relate to our astral body and our sensory world. So you, when you see someone's aspects, you're actually looking at their astral body and what it's actually doing. Um, and they're also their sensory or emotional, creative and imagined world, the way they're experiencing things. And that's why the aspects are really important then when you're doing a synastry chart, when you're doing how one person relates to another, because it's the um, um, the experience, the felt emotional experience that when you relate to one other person, how you experience them within the aspects, because the aspects are your astral body. And again, these are going to be very individual to you, to one person. And I, I like the idea that with the houses, it's the idea that we are all in the belief that 
We are under the illusion that we all have the same illusion and we all have the same experience. But we very much all experience life on Earth uh, in very different ways. We all relate and feel that experience here differently. And that's because of the houses and the aspects to super emphasize that. And that's why when you have someone with the same house set as you, you're completely aligned and thinking along the same road in general. So the houses follow the last 24 hours of Jesus's life. It's called, it's like the Christ chronology so that we are following this. And it's like embedding it into this um, aspect of Earth as he moves through these 24 hours. And of course, the first house is, is relating to Aries. It's the initia in, uh, initiation. And also Jesus obviously is called the Lamb of God as well. And this is Jesus entering Jerusalem. It's like, um, the, you know, that airy style fanfare that he comes into Jerusalem. This is the beginning. And but actually, the first house is where Jesus prophesizes his crucifixion to his disciples. And they're going, what? What? No. And at this, you know, they, they can't actually believe it. But Jesus is there delivering the news. This is it. This is what's going to happen. But at the same time he's doing that, the priests and the elders are gathering to plot what this whole last 24 hours. They're actually organizing that behind his back because Jesus knows that he's going to die when he speaks to the disciples. And he knows as well then that there's a death process going on for all of us. He has to change that death process for us. And this is the beginning of what he has to do. And he has to face that with super courage, enthusiasm. He has to face it and learn and maximize the experience um, as well to almost internalize what's about to happen. And of course, the first house is always about the beginning. This is what's going to happen. In a traditional sense, also, the first house is about the appearance. And obviously, it still is. But in more esoteric astrology, it is much more about the aura, how the aura appears and the emergence then of the soul purpose. And obviously, that was Jesus's soul purpose to deliver this. But this is also the first house is our soul purpose that we have to meet with the same enthusiasm, um, whatever that may be. And this is about our soul level activities, what's going to be happening to us, how we're going to be relating to it and what we're going to be operating. And of course, in a traditional sense, the first house is often what you're doing, how your birth, how you come into this world. So here, obviously, that relates then to the Jesus going, this is what I'm here for. And this this is why I'm here, even though it's completely horrific to his disciples. And then moving on to the second house, this is traditionally about money and it's about your resources that you come in with, the skills that you naturally have. But in a more soul-centered, esoteric, it's also your storehouse of chi or prana, your life force, spiritual resources, and also the storing of them and the acquisition of them. And the storing of this essence is stored in the kidneys and it's called, well, the one, the, the kidney chi that you're born with is called kidney jing. And that's the, the energy that you inherit. And this doesn't get replaced. But the kidney chi is the chi that you generate in life and you can regenerate, you can wear it out completely, but you can 
regenerate it and and you know with good foods good exercise soul food and soul work you can regenerate your chi and acupuncture i must give it a good plug but it's also important to circulate that chi and refresh it and not just store it up there is you know it has to move energy has to move and this is also then about our possessions and in the christ chronology this is the second hour jesus is in the house of simon the leper um and a woman anoints his feet with most expensive oil. This is obviously Mary Magdalene, second house resources. This is Libra, Venus, Venusian codes here because it's a second house. But Judas, you know, Judas at this point as well, agrees the money for the betrayal. So there's two things going on. You know, there's Mary Magdalene really anointing his physical feet with most expensive oil. And at the same time, Judas is round their back, agreeing the money to betray Jesus with that kiss. And what Mary Magdalene is really doing is she's making an energetic connection to Jesus' physicality and awakening a sense of the astral flow through the physical body. She's actually there bringing that about. And, you know, they complain, the disciples complain, who are you letting this woman do stuff to, you know, clean your feet? And Jesus says, this woman knows far more about me than you do. So he kind of shuts them back down for this, for this physical anointing, because this is the second house of your physical attributes of, of energy and looking after it. And of course, this relates to Mary Magdalene and Venus and using your chi, your sexual chi as well in the most appropriate ways and keeping it safe and being able to regenerate it. Um, hence the expensive oils, obviously. So then we move on to the third house. And traditionally, this is about communicating, relating, you know, activating our, our ideas on our spoken and written word. But in the soul purpose and the soul level and the esoteric, this is our brain as a microcosm of the universe. It's like the brain is a map of the constellations above and it gives us access to the fifth dimension. And also this here with the brain, it's the connection between the lower and the higher self. It's like the rainbow bridge. This is the third house being that rainbow bridge. I love the idea of a rainbow bridge. I really do. And of course, traditionally, there's the third house and, and Gemini as well. It represents small journeys, short journeys. But this is, as well in an esoteric sense, steps along our path um, to where we want to go spiritually in our soul purpose. And periodically, we're going to take steps backwards into the subconscious, Gemini stuff, to transform past karma and allow new spiritual forces to come through. So switching actually backwards and forwards and understanding what's gone before to then allow something new to come in. And because this is Gemini, it's the third house. It's also our soul brothers and sisters, companions on this path. And really here we understand that we are not alone. Spirit doesn't, you know, when it channels something to someone, it's, it channels to your higher self or your higher self, give it to you but they're giving it to more than just work. one person often channel things to quite a few people at the same time so your soul tribe even though you might be in different locations can receive this information 
And in the Christ chronology, this is where Christ tells his disciples, go to a man in the city, find a man who is carrying a pitcher and tell him you need to have a Passover meal in his in a house or you need a room with a house. And this man is going to show you to another man who has the house. And they're like, what? You know, he's given us all these little mini instructions. It's, it's so kind of Gemini. But this little path and with it is the understanding for us in a spiritual sense that every small step we take, every little connection we make, you know, Jesus was so precise about this that we too can understand that every connection we make is so important for our our whole journey, the little steps that we take. And they're all relatable within this third house aspect. And then there's an idea that if we visualize all the stars in the universe as connected to each cell nerve in our brain, that there's this whole connection going on between what's in the sky and what's in our brain and it opening up our brain, sorry, opening up our brains to the universal mind. This opens up the brain to receiving higher thoughts because most people are just repeating the same old thoughts within their mind and they're open up to receiving something from the cosmos because that's where all the thoughts initiate initiate and they come down to us um so if you are listening to real soul words and uh, important words with meaning that they can go into your aura and deep into your soul and change your life so it really is important what you are feeding yourself here third house stuff So let's move on. The fourth house, traditionally the home, the mum and dad, your security, but your biological inheritance, how it's embedded in you, your childhood's embedded with you, your family life. But in a sole purpose, this is your biological karma and your relationship to the mother principle, not your mother, the mother principle. And it's your sole foundation, your anchoring here in life. And the idea now is that, you know, that we think we have a fixed um, set of genes or DNA. But every time we change something in our life, you know, our thoughts, our thought processes, you change, you can change your genetic code. And we're moving now. We're beginning to accept that because from the Darwin theory, you know, that, the, you know, that we change over many generations just by chance that we're moving now into neo-Darwinism, which isn't just the survival of the fittest. It's saying that there is intelligent design and divine purpose in that. And the idea here that we are opening up our genes and all the junk genes as well to really evolve humanity. And in that, you know, that the 64 codons and the three letter packets of our DNA all relates then back to the I Ching and the 64 different possibilities of of um, ideas that are fed to you through the I Ching. It's very soul based. So the fourth house then relates to the Last Supper and therein where Jesus says, take of my body, take take this stuff. It's my body. I'm giving you an inheritance here. And of course, you know, if this relates to the Last Supper, where we're actually having food, we're in a home here. um, This is where the image of uh, painted of the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci represents the Zodiac, because you can see right from the right hand side or from the left going right, it's it's every disciple is 
one of the zodiac with obviously Mary Magdalene sitting from where we're looking at her to the left of Jesus is right. Our left is Mary Magdalene Virgo. So you can go through that and see that they're all kind of having some kind of expression of each of the signs in that last supper. But it's a very important image for integration into our psyche. And we can um, visualize that last supper being in our fourth house. Like this is the body of Christ. This is the blueprints that we download for um, Jesus's perfection within our fourth house. And so moving on to the fifth house, uh, traditionally, obviously an active center of creative self-expression, you know, an actualization really, though, of the higher self, of being able to go beyond yourself and in such an expressive, creative, imaginative and loving way. And it's the love manifesting as the will to merge with the plan, the plan, the higher plan. So it's your creativity being stimulated by the soul's love, not just not just your earthly love. And from the cosmic Leo comes forces that will build the heart so that then the heart and the ego or so that the ego can enter the heart properly. That's a really good thought around this fifth house of Leo, but um, of creative expression and love. So how this relates to the Christ chronology is this is where Christ goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, I will go deeper into the garden to pray. And, you know, this is his blueprint where he actually, you know, talks to Jesus. Sorry, he doesn't. He is Jesus. He talks to his father in at this point in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he does. He goes back to check on the disciples three times. And, and this is where Jesus says is, is the, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. So he's he's asked Peter, John and James to stay awake. And he just moves a stone throw away where he's overwhelmed with sadness and anguish. And he says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Then he says, nevertheless, let it be as you, not I, would have it. So he's saying, look, you know, if, if I can pass it by, please. But if not, go on, do it. <laughs> then a little while later, he said, if this cup cannot pass by, but I must drink it, your will be done. And he says this three times and he checks on the apostles three times. Check they're still there, finding them asleep. And then he goes back and then he says, well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then an angel appears and gives him strength to go through this processes and during this agony, he praying, his sweat drop, falls like drops of blood onto the ground. But there he says it. This is the blueprint. Thou will be done. It's in the Lord's Prayer as well, isn't it? You know that the fifth house is our creative expression, but it's not. It's our soul's purpose and what we're here to do. Not not, you know, we've got to give over and surrender to that higher purpose. Moving on then to the sixth house, the sixth house of service. 
And in a traditional sense, these are the servants. <laughs> and we move through this through different styles of servants, from slaves to servants to to uh, it goes through our mankind's timeline, how we've evolved this idea. And but in a sole purpose, this is uh, the servers not the servants, the servers. It's a big difference. And I always think about this when you go to Italy or France and you see that people are so glad in restaurants to serve you. And they really do make it a joy and a skill and it's an honour and it's a really good job to have because it, when it's done well, it's amazing. But this really here in this sole purpose is just to serve humanity through healing, through nurturing and through support. And of course, then the required knowledge that you have to, to then have to build, to nurture and the idea of then the purity in truth that you are then serving with. This also then in a sole purpose way for this sixth house is the strengthening of our lower chakras. You know that we're remaining humble and useful and that's really relates to you see in the in when the yoga has come to the west all the yogis you know they're suddenly you know in in india when you're serving or becoming a yogi you know you spend 10 years sweeping the ashram floor and then another 5 years doing devoted service and um then you start the chanting and then you only then do you do some asana some posture you know it takes you a while to get there you have to learn all these very basic things of how you're running the ashram and being of service so the lower chakras are completely find until you know before you get to the asana because it's then the asana the yoga practice then opens up your higher chakras and you feel amazing and you do amazing things and so when yoga comes to the west the big complaint is you see all these yogis not working haven't done the 10 years on the ashram sweeping the floor they've gone straight in and done all these amazing postures and opened up themselves up thinking, God, this is incredible. And some of those egos go really out of control. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. So this sixth house then is your lower chakras. It's working here and understanding how grounded you are, how purposeful you are and honest and able to show up. And in the Christ chronology, sixth house is Jesus who stands before the elders. He's brought before the elders. Um, and they are sort of accusing him of things. There's a judgment going on, but they have brought in false witnesses to come and accuse Jesus. So here he's been, this is Virgo stuff, judged, analysed. And, and, and so are we often as spiritual beings and our spiritual processes. Um, but in their sense where Jesus is, no one can really beat Jesus in an argument because he understands what's going on with everyone. Um, yet before this high priest, he was far too weak to argue and he says nothing. He's lost his power and he says nothing because, of course, also he knew what was coming. And he knew that their life review would take care of whatever they're doing there, um, because in our life review, we just don't review our stuff, you know, and it's our astral body that looks on the etheric plane, which is like a flat plane. It's flat. So um, so we watch it like a movie almost, but we're not just seeing our things. We're seeing what effect our actions had on other people. We're seeing their reactions behind closed door, fly on the wall stuff. 
So this is this is where Jesus is understood that and just doesn't isn't responding. But yes, as well, this is our lower chakras offering ourselves up for service. So with the seventh house, this is where we move on to the other, because it's obviously it's opposite the first house of the self. The seventh house is the other. And this is the house of relationships. Um, but in a more esoteric soul purpose, this is soul mate territory as well. But traditionally, this is also open enemies, people that are going to be oppose you. It's also your partners, your other person in life, and also your marriage partners, as well as business partners as well. But here in the Christ chronology, Christ goes before Pontius Pilate. So someone else, he gives over to someone else who then doesn't even want to have this. Um, he Pontius Pilate understands and he's like, I want to wash my hands of this. I don't want anything in it. So he gives up his his kind of part in this to the masses, to the mob. And therefore, Jesus is that's relating to all these other people and through them, his relationship to the Roman Empire as well. So Jesus here is relating to so many other people on a vast level. He's putting it out there to other people. Um, and so in our essence, we can under we can embed or draw in more Christ codes, Christ energies into our relating to other people. Not so that we get to stand in front of Pontius Pilate, of course, but in order to have the higher codes come in to all our relating. Before we move on to the eighth house, the eighth house, love, sex, death, money and how you transform, how you approach intimacy and sex how you transform your values. So earning money from your labours and the ideas that you then turn into cash or salary and how that salary or how that money passes hands via the banks, by mortgages, by big kind of money that's not cash in your pocket. It's stuff that's that's notional even. And the resources that you gain from from someone who may have died, like in an inheritance. So really, it's embedded in here, the the birth, life, death cycle, really in money, in our values, in our sexuality. It's this huge turnover that needs to keep having flow within it, transformational flow. And in a soul centered purpose, this becomes your discipleship. The, your vehicle of your own rebirth into consciousness of your soul and the transmutation of your desires or your wishes into material resources. And that sense of the, the death is the transformation of dense expressions, more material expressions here on earth into more subtle and more refined expressions of your desires, of your purpose here. And here with Christ, in the Christ chronology, um, this is about the shared possessions as well. But here, Judas, realizing what he's done, he tries to return the money and buy Jesus back. So this is this is like, whoops, I'm turning that this is the money changing hands and also the betrayal and understanding of that betrayal and then trying to put it right, which obviously is, is too late. Because there's a death then on his hands, because this is also then the scourging and the mocking of Jesus, where his body and physical body is deteriorating massively. 
And so here on Earth for our eighth house stuff, this is like there's a really good meditation to the desire to be desireless. And of course, that's a desire in itself, but to lose all urges, needs and, and become go beyond that. But also it is a, ref, a refinement of our sexualized energy so that it can transmute more easily into spiritual energy. And of course, how we use that, how we use that either wisely or not so wisely. This is your eighth house. So we can move on to the ninth house, which is opposite the third house. The third house, we've discussed short journeys and information. So for the ninth house, this is like for longer, far flung journeys. And this is journeys for wisdom, journeys for experience and your own expression to experience new things in your life and exploration. And traditionally, this ninth house would encompass more orthodox religions and the dogma surrounding these. But on a Christ level, this is the unification of all belief systems, religions and philosophies. And of course, this is traditionally the, uh, the ninth house of the law, the man-made law of the land. But here in an esoteric soul purpose way, the ninth house is the cosmic law. And in the Christ chronology, the ninth house relates to his journey to Golgotha, where he carries the cross. And this is the cross of matter. And this is the weight of the world in it. It's not just a wooden cross. This is the weight he's carrying that cross. And it's just the weight of everything, that the sins, that everything in the material world on him. So it's energetically, it's completely different from all the crosses that other people might bear. And of course, then he has help with that on the way. And he has help, but this is taking the material and the density, the density of it and taking it into exaltation, carrying, lifting it up. And here in the more traditional sense, the ninth house, it might be a system of publishing that we have. But here in the sole purpose here, we're lifting this up right up to the Akashic records. So we're experiencing things um, and taking them to a quite high level of learning for our, our purpose here on Earth. And also the idea this learning we have on Earth is about science. Science is currently measuring the cosmos, measuring all things and testing it. But it's not really understanding it fully in that lived experience. And in a future stage, science, religion, um, quantum and technical are all have to blend with spirit. And so this is it. This is the cross of matter being blended and taken up to a higher exaltation so that we can cross over to the 10th house. And the 10th house is traditionally our successes, our achievements, our, where we're heading, our goals, uh, what we want to achieve in our careers. But in a sole purpose way, this is the divine will revealed um, and the culmination of all your spiritual purpose being um, processed and, and taken so that it can be revealed. So where in traditionally we might have honor and status, but in a, within the 10th house, but in the soul level, we're reflected in the opportunity for more, you know, the soul is reflected in the opportunity for more spiritual advancement, advancement. 
So when the student is ready, the master will appear. And that with the capacity we have then for our higher guides relies on our lower self being actually prepared. And where we might have social responsibility and to to be a proper upstanding citizen uh, on a soul level in the esoteric astrology, this 10th house is the enforcing of the plan of the masters and surrendering our personal ego to their higher plan. If we can manage that, (laughs) this is the time when you hear people say, I just went Lord, take me, do what you have to do with me. I'm going to do it. That's where this 10th house is leading. But in the Christ chronology, it's the crucifixion of our lower self here to receive the Christ codes from our higher self. And here Jesus is actually on the cross at this point and he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And Yet he's still working on the physical plane with, you know, here we are with all its concerns as Jesus releases us from that, as he transcends and goes higher, but lower. He goes into the earth to release us and releasing all those souls trapped there because of his um, surrender and sacrifice. And with that sacrifice, you know, we in in a traditional sense, the 10th house will show us our, our authority figures. But really, in a spiritual sense, this is us connecting with um, with exalted, uh, exalted, ascended masters who are there to help us, to help us grow. So it's those people on the spiritual side that um, are there for us to look up to. If indeed we are going to look up to anyone to then move into the 11th house, then traditionally of friends and social, what you do in the community, even your political activity within the community, the organisations you belong to, the projects you get underway. Um, But here, this is more like in a spiritual soul purpose. This is your spiritual tribe and this is your challenge, your discernment of the challenges you have that become your service to humanity. And there is this critical mass I've mentioned before that on earth for us all to ascend here. But this is 11th house stuff because there's so many false paths, so many more false paths now more than ever. You know, sin got really complicated, but so did the enticement to lead off the path. And if you look at social media, this could go on and on and AI and all the different things that could really lead us down the wrong path where we think we'd been of service or doing the community thing or following a tribe and it can be completely wrong. And Christ literally goes into hell um, and, and and he cries out to his father in heaven at this 11 point. And um But here he's ready to absolve all our sin. So he's freeing up the souls in the underworld and all the all souls are now free and free is a big 11th house thing. Your freedom to do what you want. You have free will here. And as much as you do have free will, this is the house where you have karma by 
association so that you go into the group consciousness and you follow into the group idea. But this is, you know, you get blamed by being associated with with other people as well within this house. And, and therefore, there is an utter need for discernment within the 11th house of what, you know, that the, your wishes versus what you think is right and the personal group, the group activity that's going on. And because the 11th house is Aquarius, you know, you can be the freak that says no, but you can also go with your tribe. But here also, this is where the incarnation of Araman here is really forcing us to use our discernment and not just follow the tribe. And this point on the chronology also is as much as when Jesus cries out to his father, this is also when the sky goes dark and he does enter that hell to absolve us all our thin. This is the big eclipse that happened where the whole sky goes dark for three days. So this kind of big stuff happening in the cosmos too here before moving on to the 12th and final house, the house of the undoing. And I love how the seventh house is like your uh, open energy enemies, your open enemies. And this house of the undoing is also your hidden enemies. Or even though it's also your the oppressed part of yourself, the oppressed part of your life, the underpowered parts of your life in a traditional sense, but also in a soul sense. This is also unredeemed past karma. This is the dark forces of true ignorance, where in a physical sense, this house is about where you are physically imprisoned, lifetimes being in a prison or institutionalized and held within an institution, if not physically, definitely psychologically. So this is, but really on the soul level, this is the bondage to our personality and, and, and ideas. But here we have access to the collective experiences of everyone's past lives. The Greek myths show us that many of the heroes there really took responsibility for their personal karma. And often there was instantaneous karma. Um, we think about Achilles. Achilles, even though he goes on a killing rampage, rampage, he knows he has to meet all the people he's killed and he has to take responsibility. And he can't say, oh, it was the gods that did it or blame it on anyone else. He knows he has to take responsibility and meet those people. Then Orestes. Orestes was the son of Agamemnon, whose mother, Clytemnestra, has killed his father. And so he knows that to avenge his father and to actually become king, he has to then kill his mother. And and so when he finally does do this, you know, he knows the responsibility of what he's doing. And that's when the furies are released upon him. So there is this idea that, you know, the Greeks understood this. But the more we can understand our lives as a tragic a real, a tragic story as much as possible um, so that we then don't, and this is our past lives, don't have to suffer here and now and then turn that tragedy into a comedy in the lightness of being. Um, I think that's quite a powerful stuff for this 12th house and also the idea in this 12th house of the of black magic. And black magic really is just the corruption of Earth's natural flow 
corrupting the flow of, of where things would go in nature and naturally with the flow of beneficence of that's said that completely wrong with the beneficial flow of universal forces to augment, to flourish, to blossom. And and black magic is using that and um, stopping it, obstructing it, making it go in the wrong way. And, and often, obviously, then for um, more um, selfish or greedy purposes. Um, so this is 12th house stuff. And the idea of desecrating spiritual sites or um, not allowing um, proper, uh, you know, uh, spiritual endeavours, stopping that flow. And here in, in the Christ chronology, this in the 12th house is actually Christ being resurrected, his, his actual resurrection and his ministry starting anew. So this is the absolute death and rebirth here. This is the rebirth. And for us, we can imagine this in our 12th house, that that the whole of our earth and and our beings will light up and to see the whole of interior earth light up with the Christ codes and understanding that this earth is like a, the star, a star lighting up from inside with Christ codes where um Jesus Christ has put those codes into the earth for us all to be resurrected as well. So here, 12th house, yeah, understand your karma, understand your duty. I used to work with, um, um, have um, weekly meditation groups with a woman who used to say, all you've got to do is bring in the light. And it's a massive oversimplification of all the work that we have to do but it, there is an element of truth there and the Christ codes enable us to get there these are the highest codes of light that we can work with to draw down on to magnetize and to connect with that, that is the, the most important thing the Christ codes um, here for our resurrection so I hope you've found that interesting. Um, there's lots more where this is. Um, um, just a snapshot of this, which I may return to. Um, but please go in peace and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. <laughs>